Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given to us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I invite you, if you have your Bibles with you or in the pew Bible in front of you, to turn to Romans 5. We'll be focusing on our epistle lesson today, Romans 5, beginning in verse 12. It's interesting to think about the things that we just really don't like doing. And for me, one of those things that I don't like doing, probably like most of you, is going to the doctor. I do not like going to the doctor because it seems like every time I go to the doctor, they find something that I'm doing wrong. Jared, how many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Two. Is that all? Maybe three. Do you drink any soda or eat any junk food? Sometimes, yes. Okay, well, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Your blood pressure is a little higher than most people your age. Things like this really get under my skin because I'm here just trying to get a refill for my prescription or something like this, and I'm getting the third degree. I don't need this. And it's funny because Holy Scripture is a good doctor. It's... Something that reveals to us things that we do not like to admit or recognize. It's honest about the human condition. Like my doctor's visits, it reveals things to me and to us that I find uncomfortable. For we know in the book of Hebrews that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and in discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is a good doctor. It asks questions that are uncomfortable for us. It reveals things about our life that are uncomfortable. And when we read Holy Scripture on the human condition, it uses words like weak, enemy, sinner, dead. It uses these words to describe the human condition. And while the world seeks to hide this condition, much like me at the doctor's office, Holy Scripture and Christians admit that this is the reality. We proclaim the truth that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We Christians do not try to hide our honest and real human condition. And it's easy for us us to admit because we know why we are in this present human condition. For in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and in the earth he placed man, made in his own image, to rule it, 
to keep it, to till it, to take care of it. And this creation, God called very good. And God placed Adam in the garden with his wife Eve and commanded them to work and keep the garden and to eat of all the trees in the garden except for one. The one of the knowledge of the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know the story. Adam and Eve choose to listen to their own heart, to listen to their own will, rather than listen to God who loves them and created them. And thus, Adam fell. And we read this in Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all Sin, For we know that God proclaimed that when, if you take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. The judgment for disobedience, for sin against God, is death. And through Adam, our great-great-grandfather, death entered the world. And through his disobedience, he so marred our human condition... He so marred our human nature so that our will, our heart, and our minds are corrupted. What God made very good, we stained, we corrupted by our own choice. And it's not just Adam and Eve that suffered from this, but if we read just one chapter later in chapter 4, we see that the sons of Adam and Eve are riddled with problems. We see that they have enmity with one another. We see that Cain despises his brother Abel and is jealous and rises up and kills him. We see that death reigns, as Paul describes it. The present human condition is rightly described as the condition of death. And this is no surprise to us Christians because we know the story. We know that east of Eden, death is the reality. Death is the recompense for our disobedience. Death reigns. And it says that death reigned in sin from Adam to Moses. And we know that Moses is the lawgiver, that the Lord gave the law through Moses after saving his people from Egypt, from the land of slavery. He gives them the law. And upon Mount Ebal, after giving his last great speech, Moses says, Behold, I have set today the way of life and the way of death. Choose life. See, Moses had recapitulated the law to the new generation before they went into the new promised land without him. And he urges them, he begs them to heed his words, listen to his words, choose life. But the unfortunate thing is, is that we humans love to choose death. Just like our father, Adam, we choose death over life because knowledge is not the problem. Knowledge is not the problem, and it's not that we are ignorant of what is right 
and what is wrong. Adam knew what was right and what was wrong and chose the wrong. For it wasn't knowledge, it wasn't the mind alone that was the problem. It wasn't a re-education program that was needed. Rather, it was a full redemption of mind, will, and heart. Ashley Knoll, uh, Anglican theologian, points out that Thomas Cranmer's theology, which is reflected in the Book of Common Prayer, could be described this way. The will chooses what the heart desires and the mind justifies. See, we are deeply marred and broken people. We are people who live in the midst of the reign of death. And we choose death over life. The law, which is holy and good, only serves to increase the trespass. We are fallen. We have broken wills. And when we are given the choice between good and evil, we choose evil. This is not to say that we are 100% evil. Don't get me wrong. But we are all equally marred by sin. We are all children of Adam and Eve equally. And despite knowing the law, to know what is right, we choose death. Death remains. And under this regime of death, as Paul describes it in Romans 5, we hear these words crying from the sons of Adam, sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. Can these bones live? These are the words of God to Ezekiel. He asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And under our present condition, here in this life of death, we cry out as well, can these bones live? The present human condition is not a surprise to us. We know that suffering and death are a part of our world when we are honest about our world. To try to live east of Eden as if the fall didn't happen is a mistake. To be dishonest about our present condition is to deny the truth that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are dead, brothers and sisters. But we believe in a God who raises the dead. Amen? We believe in a God who raises the dead. We have faith in a God who justifies sinners. We believe in a God who creates out of nothing for the pure enjoyment of it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. For as creation is a gift, so is our redemption. We are sinners. Yes, we live in death. Yes, but we have faith that God raises the dead. We have faith in the God who loves us, despite our, the fact that we are enemies of God, deserving wrath and condemnation. God shows his love towards us in that while we were still 
sinners. Christ died for us. We are justified by Christ's blood, and we are saved from the wrath to come. See, while death is the present condition, Christ died for the dead. Through his death, he trampled over death, stomping hell and Satan under his feet. See, it's on the cross that death died. And this is a mystery, because how in the world can death die? Well, it's because Christ died, but he didn't stay dead. No, sir. He raised from the, from the dead on the third day, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. It's through his death that we have Life, And it's through his life that we have life eternal. See, when we, when the dead die, ironically, they live. Paul says that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He has been crucified with Christ. Buried with him in baptism. For in baptism the old man dies and the new is raised to life in Christ. For in Christ our death is taken upon himself and we are given life eternal. At the cross, love is shown to weak, ungodly Enemies, dead. At the cross, love is shown to the dead. And the dead, thank God, do not stay dead. These bones, they start rattling. At the word of God, the bones start rattling and sinews start growing on those old dead bones. And air goes into those old dead lungs and they raise to life anew. Through the Spirit. In Christ, we sing with the words of Isaiah. O death, where is thy sting? Death is swallowed up in victory. Where is your victory, O death? For in Christ we have victory over this present life of death in the flesh. And thanks be to God who gives us this victory as a gift. See, unlike the doctor, unlike going to the doctor, we're not just looking for a patch-up. No, sir. We are looking for resurrection. The present human condition is not one of being a little sick. Rather, the Bible is honest about our human condition and describing it as death. Death inherited from our fathers, and we do not help. We add, we heap up death upon death, but in Christ we are given life eternal. And I love what my professor said about this love, that God's grace looks like God's love at the grave. God's love is shown to us at the grave, but God's love is also shown when he says, Lazarus, come out. God's love is shown at the deathbed when he says, little girl, arise. 
See, this is the word of God that pierces into the heart. This is the word of God that pierces into the deepest of the human condition. It finds death and creates life. And the world scoffs at this. The word of the cross is the word of life, and yet the world sees it as foolishness and a stumbling block. And we see in our gospel passage how Jesus sends out his apostles to preach the gospel. And he is honest about the reception they are going to receive when they're preaching this gospel. He says, what you have heard whispered, proclaim from the housetops. What you have heard whispered at the grave, proclaim to others that in Christ there is eternal life. And people reject this message. The world scoffs when Jesus sees the dead girl and says, Do not weep. She is only sleeping. For the word of the cross, the word of Christ at the grave is eternal life. But without faith, we scoff at this as impossible. Because it is impossible. But by faith, we are raised to walk in newness of life. And we go forth proclaiming this good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. In 1 Peter, it says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel which you heard. See, the gospel is how God relates to us dead sinners. The gospel is Christ and him crucified for us, for you and for I, for you and for me. The word of the cross is justification for sinners. And this we proclaim. We must proclaim it to ourselves, but not to ourselves only. We must proclaim it to a lost and dying world full of death. For we are not people who hide our condition. We understand that we are dead sinners. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. So let us go forth proclaiming from the housetops what we have heard whispered at the grave. Have faith. Have faith in the God who raises the dead. Amen.